Hey, welcome everybody. Uh, I hope you see kind of uh, in the front here. Uh, this is our our first Sunday of from COVID of actually doing, I would say, real communion. But that doesn't sound right. Of like actually passing around the elements of communion. But we want to be sensitive to anybody who is still kind of a little worry of COVID. So we still have in front of you there's still the individual package kind of communion. So if you prefer uh, to take communion in that way, feel free. Uh, we're, we're not, we will be passing the plate around, but if you don't want, you can just kind of pass it along and you can still use the, the cups that are in front of you. Remember the first tab opens up to the wafer and then the second tab opens up uh, to the, the, the juice on the inside. Okay, so uh, that's to kind of let you know where we're heading. And because it's upper room service, as they said in the announcements, we, we keep the kids in service with us. And we do that for a couple reasons. We want the kids to kind of experience church. If kids, all they ever do is kind of spend time back uh, in Sunday school, they don't really learn what church and what happens in here. All they know is we sing a bunch of songs, and they're probably wondering, what happens after I leave? Um, also, it helps them to, to partake in communion. It allows them, if they are believers, to, to join us in, in remembering Christ in all that they have and that they can partake and be in communion with us as we remember Jesus Christ. Also, there's another great thing we do. It always kind of adds a little bit of fun to the service because, you know, we like to do something special with the kids since they are in service with us. We want to have them participate in the service uh, and as part of that, they do get bride because they all know I have a little thing of candy to give to them when they come on stage. So I, I want to welcome the kids. You're more than welcome. Come on up on stage. I know they're, they're making their way. They always kind of look and see who else is coming up. Is this person coming up? Can I come up on stage? Not e Okay. All right, Evelyn, come on. Show stealer is here. All right. All right. Oh, yeah, oh, we got a bunch of, like, all right, excellent work. Here we go. We're getting packed up here. All right. There is so many. You want to stand next to your brother? He doesn't want you to. Look at that. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Even more people. All right. Here, you can come. You come over here. So you can like, be by yourself on the one side here. All right. So. Today we're going to be looking kind of at various things, and we're going to be, are you trying to get taller than me? See, you come up on this step, and this is the step where Mr. Frank starts to get very nervous. So I want to come down on this step, because that's kind of like the tech area, and if you trip a cable or something, the whole church explodes. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, so today we're going to be looking at kind of understanding that we can trust the Word of God. That's kind of our, our theme for today. And what I wanted to have is I have a box here of various things. And in this box, something might be real. We got a new, we got a new show studio. Oh, hand already, yes. No. All right, so in this side, this box is going to be various things. Things might be real. Things might be fake. And, and they have to kind of determine as they look at it if this is something that is real or if this is something that is fake. So here, I'm going to have all of you come over on this side. So come away over here. And don't be scared. There's something like fearful in this. All the way over. Big, big, big boy steps. There you go. That kind of works. All right. 
You guys ready? All right, let's see how well. Now, Kenzie, you might have an advantage because some of these things might be, well, pretty much they're all from our house. So uh, don't be the first one to speak up. All right, here we go. Ah, let's see, what should we start with? Ah, this beautiful plant. This is beautiful. Isn't this beautiful? Ooh. As part of this, you're going to see how greatly Christy decorates our house. So, as you see this, hand down, Kenzie. All right. So, do you guys think this is real or fake? 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 fake. Anybody think it's real? What? Oh, wait. Hmm? Hmm? He's thinking fake. All right. No, you can't touch it. That would give away the whole secret. This is, this is fake. Correct, Christy? Fake, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fake. It's fake. All right, yeah, yeah. Hey, get back up. Back up, cheater. All right. All right. Back up, cheater. All right. So, oh, man. I'm going to have your dad come on stage or something up here. All right. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to break this. All right. Oh, man. Okay. Be very, very it's careful. An it's, fake. it's an egg. It's an egg. That thing's fake. If it's fake, smash it on an egg. Well, let's find out. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else was nervous for me? Come on. I knew what it was. Don't be nervous. It is a fake egg. Fake egg. I was going to toss it out into the audience and see if anybody just totally freaked out, but let's go. Uh, let's see here. Last one? I got a few more. We'll see how well this goes. All right. So here we go. Here is this lovely decorative piece of wood. Here, I need to move out of this way because I feel like I'm being so. So we got getting closer. Stay, you're, I think I'm getting stampeded on stage. All right. You think this is real or fake? It, why would I tip it sideways? What is that difference does it make? Yeah, that's real. It's real. Yes. This is a real piece of wood, so I've been told. You knew it. Get back over here. All right. All right, here we go. No. Okay, back up. Back up. All right. Here we go. A little cactus. That's I dare you to touch it. That's You think it's real or fake? This is real. It is real. All right. Good work. All right. Here we have. Here we go. Shh, back up. I bring out the money. Yeah, if you don't know if it's real or not. A $2 bill. Oh, it's real. I have one. You think it's real? No way. $2 bill. It's fake. There's no such thing as a, there's no such thing as a $2 bill, right? There is? It's fake? Yeah, it has to be real. It has to be fake? Yeah, you said there is no bill that has a two on it. Look at that. All right. It is real. It is such thing as a $2 bill. All right. Now. Man. All right. Now here we have one, we have a couple more. Here is a Diamond necklace. Why is it so small? Is this, is this, 
Is this diamond real or no, fake? It's Let me smell it. Smell it? How would you smell it? What's that going to tell you? All right, this I've been told is fake. I did not purchase this for Christy. Just so you know, I would only purchase the real thing for Christy. All right, now, there is one more thing that you guys are going to do. You guys got to look, look at the screens. Okay, so everybody look at the screens. Now, I need you to look at this picture. Yes. I need you to look at this picture and tell me if my hair looks real or fake. All right, go ahead. It's real? Oh, that was, you think that's real? That is a very sad state that I was in where my hair would be dyed blonde. It is very fake color, all right? All right, go ahead and go back. Oh, wait, here. Here you guys go. You guys get some candy. Yeah. Take a hand. Okay, wait, how much? Just take two pieces. Two pieces. Two oh, my pieces. goodness. Oh, no, you mean two, two pieces. Handfuls. No, no, no. <laughs> two All right, now you're... You mean two candies. Yeah, you're oh, taking up. Really All right. Twix. Are you All right. taking two candies? Two candies. You get two. You get two. You get two. There we go. All right. Another Twix. I'm going to just wait until y'all are done. All right, if you got two pieces, you guys can go back to your seats. I'm just going to wait. All right. Now you're... I want... I'm waiting. There you go. Two. You got two. All right. Two pieces. There's one. Can I take the whole bucket? Nope. You get two pieces. But I want to take the whole bucket. Nope. Two pieces. Hurry up. Hurry up, because now you're taking up the rest of my time. Here we go. Nope. Two pieces. No, your, your family is watching and seeing how long you're taking and not obeying instructions. Here we go. All right, you guys can take that picture down, too. Come on, now. There we go. No, I don't think they want to take it down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay, okay. We, we, Besides, only take two. It's going to be time for communion by the time we get done with this. All right, here we go. All right, there we go. You got it? All right. There we go. All right. I also want to take this time and, and just ask about Christy's engagement ring. What do you guys think? No, I'm just I'm just kidding again. All right, all right. So yeah, so we're, we're looking at this idea today as we think about kind of real and fake in this world. And one of the questions that we come up with so often is, what about the Word of God? Is this real? Is this fake? Or what about other scriptures? Are they real? Are they fake? And we're going to look at it and see kind of, okay, what does Scripture say about itself? What does it tell us about why we can, we can put trust in this word? And one of the things as I was preparing for this message, I was actually talking with, with Joe because he was doing a lesson uh, for the high schoolers on this very subject. And as we were talking, I kind of mentioned this verse. And the more I thought about this verse from Second Peter, I was thinking, man, this, this would be a really good verse to preach on. So that's kind of how this message kind of formed. You know, we think about trust, and if we took a survey of people, we would probably say that trust is probably something that's very high on our list. Whether we're in a relationship, a friendship, we want to trust our friends, that they're not going to expose some secret that we've shared with them. We want to trust that our spouse will be faithful to us. And when trust, 
when, it, when it's broken, it, it's hard to build up. You know, I haven't done it recently, but usually when we take our kind of our first youth trip of the summer, I'll tell the kids, look, I trust you guys as we're going off to Hershey Park. I, I trust that you are going to be on your best behavior. And, and sometimes, hopefully every time I will say this, it's always been earned, and trust has been a thing that has not been lost on many of our trips. We have a very trustworthy group. You guys and parents can be very happy with your children. You see, when we talk about this in trust, we, what? we put our trust in Christ, right? We trust in the, his death and his resurrection for our eternal life. And, and now we're thinking about putting trust in his scriptures. And this is what we have for us today. We have a book, the scriptures, this Bible that was written by, over, by, by 40 authors over a time period of, of 1,500 years. And within that, with all those different authors, within that time period, we have one single message. The unity of Scripture is unmatched. You know, many have tried to discredit Scripture, but they have all been falling false. This is the best-selling book of all time. As I was preparing this, I said, why don't I go back to my office and, and count how many Bibles I have? Any guesses of how many I have back there? Four, ooh, whoa, man, 45? Who said 20? 20? Very good. There was 20. I have 21 Bibles in my office. I didn't realize I had that many, but there are various study Bibles. There's different versions as I'm preparing for various lessons and sermons to try and get an idea of all these things. Maybe you have numerous Bibles in your homes as well. And we realize sometimes, what does all this mean? Why do I have these scriptures? Why do we preach from this word? What is the importance? Well, as we look to this passage, we're going to see, I think, three reasons why we can trust scripture. So let me pray for us. And then as we're turning, you can turn to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come to worship in your name, to gather in this place and lift up songs of praise, to hear from your word, to encourage each other, to lift each other up, Lord. We ask that you would be with us now as we look to your scriptures and consider the things that you would have for us as we learn to trust in your word. Be with us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 2 Peter, Peter is dealing with kind of the popular topic that we see throughout the New Testament letters, and that is false teachings. And in the section that we will see, he's going to give some strong verses about scripture. So follow along with me as I read, starting in verse 16 in 2 Peter chapter 1. It says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to, as a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke of God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit." One of the first things we see, and this isn't the first point of my message, but this is the first thing we see here, is that Peter mentions that these are not cleverly 
deceive myths. These weren't just myths that somebody just made up and came along. And when you think about myths, you might think about what? Greek mythology, right? You know, all these gods and all these things that were happening through mythology, these things that are passed down through generations upon generations of laying out of these things. These are actually the things that Paul will confront in Acts 17 when he is in Athens, and he points out their many gods and challenges them on their many beliefs. But Paul says, this is, Peter says here, this is not what Scripture is. These are not just things made up that people team, seem to follow. You see, people have been making up things about Jesus for many years. If you remember back to, to Matthew chapter 28, right after the resurrection, look at these verses from uh, Matthew 28, 11 through 15. It says this, While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief's priest all that had taken place, all that had happened, the angels coming and everything. And when they had assembled the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of the money to the soldiers and said, Tell the people his disciples came by night, stole him away while we were asleep. So here they had this resurrection, it happens. And they're coming along with these things, and the Jews realize, we got to say something, because the tomb is empty. He is not there. So what do they do? They give a little bit of money, and they tell him, look, tell people that his disciples stole the body. Make up this thing so that nobody believes that he actually rose from the dead. And we'll talk about this a little bit later as we get into some more of this scripture. But a false story was being spread. And it is still believed today by many that the body was stolen from the tomb. You see, people for years have tried to turn Scripture into nothing more than legends or, or made-up stories or myths. That the creation event didn't happen. That there wasn't a worldwide flood. That Jesus didn't raise from the dead. All this is pointing to Peter and saying, these things are not made up. These things happened. And this is where we see the first reason that we can trust Scripture is because what he says in that <clears throat> opening verse, <clears throat> but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He says, here's the first thing we can see why we trust Scripture. Because these things were wit written by eyewitnesses. You see, eyewitnesses are very important. I've made known my, my love, I guess, for numerous reality police TV shows. And there's one on A&E Network called The First 48. And, and in this show, uh, they often are investigating homicides that have just taken place, and they follow the whole case from beginning to end. And when these homicide detectives come on the scene, the first thing they start to do is kind of look for clues, kind of see what things are happening around the scene. And not too long after that, the question gets raised, were there any witnesses? Did anybody see what had happened? Why? Because they know some of the best source to find out what happened on here was to get some eyewitness accounts. And then as they get these eyewitness accounts and the evidence come in, they can kind of start to see what has happened and what plays out. So when we're dealing with these things and we're trying to consider what is happening, we want to have eyewitness accounts. And Peter says here is that, you know what, we have eyewitnesses. We saw these things of Jesus, and you can trust us. This is what John says in 1 John. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. 
And then again in verse 2, he says, We have seen it and testified to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life which was with us, the Father, which made manifest to us. Verse 3 again, he says, We have seen and heard and we proclaim. Over and over he's saying, look, you can trust these things that I'm saying. I've seen Jesus. I've heard Jesus. And now I write to you the things that he told me. He says in verse 5, says, this is the message that we have heard from him and we proclaim to you. We can trust scripture because this is the message directly from Jesus. You think about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. When they're confronted with the Jewish leaders and they're telling them to be silent and to not speak of Jesus Christ, he says the same thing. We have Peter and John, the two readers we've already looked at. It says, Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in sight of God to listen to you, rather to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. If you've seen, if you've experienced what we've experienced, you couldn't help but proclaim Jesus Christ. He said, we will not be silent. When the Ravens have won the Super Bowl, we just kind of sit there and just we go, yay. No, we cheered. We were excited for what we saw. We told everybody, guess what? My team won the Super Bowl. My team won. Here they are saying all these things that have happened. They are proclaiming what they have seen and heard. And then you remember back into Matthew with a made-up story about the resurrection? Remember, Paul addresses that himself in 1 Corinthians 15. He talks about how people have seen Jesus Christ. He says, look, if you don't even believe me, he says, look, there are still 500 people who you could go and you could talk to and you could ask them, hey, did you see Jesus after he died, like like walking on this earth? You know what they would say? They would say, yeah, I saw him. He says, look, these things are true. These things are happen. We can trust his word. Any Star Wars fans in the house? All right, there's a couple. So all you guys got to start watching Star Wars. And one of the newer ones in The Force Awakens, Finn and and Rey are are coming in and they finally, they meet Han Solo and they realize it is this great general. And they start asking him about all these things of the Jedi and these stories. And Han responds with, it's true, all of it. And here the disciples are saying the same thing. People are asking, like, probably, hey, did you see Jesus do this? Did you see him do that? You really saw this? And what's their response? They said, yeah, it's true, all of it. And that is the account that we still have with us today. What about those who investigated? Think about the opening chapter of Luke. And in Luke chapter 1, as Luke is writing, remember, he kind of comes on the scene later. And he talks about, you know, I've been hearing these things. I've I've been talking about these things. I've investigated these things. And now, let me write this gospel. Let me write this to you so that you can have hope, that you can believe all these things are true. He's writing to a friend of his, probably Theophilus, and he's saying, look, I've looked into this. I've talked to the witnesses. He says, these things are true. And in verse 4 of Luke chapter 1, he says, that you might have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. He says, you can trust these things. You can trust these words of God because I have looked into these. I have talked to people. This stuff is true. And then back in, in 2 Peter, 
Peter's going to give an example of of this truth. And he's going to give, if you see in verses 17, he's going to talk about the transfiguration. The moment where Jesus was up on the mountain and, and transformed into this glory. And they saw all that he was in his heavenly state. And remember, they are in awe of this. And Jesus in that moment tells them, look, don't share this. Don't share this until the time is right for what you have seen. I can imagine if I was them, I'd be like, I want to shout this from the rooftops. I want to say what I just saw. I want to see you and say I saw you in all your glory. But he says, wait until the time is right. And now here he is. After Jesus has ascended back into heaven as he is writing to the church, he says, the things which I have seen, I saw him up on the mountain transform into all his glory. Then we see a second reason in which we can trust Scripture. As he says in verse 19, he says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. See, Scripture contains fulfilled prophecy. We can trust Scripture. Why? Because it's true. You know, every year about this time of March Madness, our family fills out the famous brackets. And we try and predict all that is going to happen in the tournament. Well, last year, Ava won the bracket challenge. Now, even though she won, all she did correctly was pick 38 of the 63 games correctly. In fact, the overall winner for the whole United States or whole world, however it works, was there's picked 48 games correctly out of 63. In fact, if you were watching this year's tournament, one of the early favorites Um, Iowa was eliminated pretty early on, and ESPN put a note up that said after Iowa lost, only 3% of all the brackets submitted were still perfect. That was like six games in to the tournament. So all these people, we talk about all these great predictions, and people will spend hours trying to analyze these games and, and pick these games, but no one has ever had a perfect bracket. I will say, Jesus, if Jesus had a bracket, he would pick the perfect bracket. Now, I will say this year, currently, I am in the lead. So, <laughs> not sure what it's, I, I'm just throwing it out there that I am currently in the lead of our family bracket challenge. But, you know, we think about how often Scripture talks about prophecy, of predictions that were to come. And in so many times, everyone is proven true. But you think about the book of Daniel, right? Daniel gets this vision of, of all these conquering nations, of, of the um, Babylonians and the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and the Roman Empire. And every single one of those comes true. Written hundreds of years before these things ever occurred. And, and some even say, depending on how your theology works, that Daniel even predicted the very moment that Jesus would walk in to Jerusalem on the donkey. All these things coming from the Old Testament. See, there is roughly almost over 300 different prophecies speaking of the coming of Jesus. Everyone has already been fulfilled or we know will be fulfilled. And in fact, on this mountain, as he is shown in his glory, we see prophecy revealed that he is coming in power and glory. You see, there was a, a time... When I was at Emmaus, and our theme verse for Emmaus, our Bible college, was the road to Emmaus, hence where they got the name from of Emmaus. And you remember on that road to Emmaus, as Jesus is interacting with these disciples, 
He's talking about Scripture, right? He's explaining to them the Old Testament. And it says this in verse 27. It says, that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. He says, look at all these Old Testament Scriptures. All these things pointed to me coming. Let's look at a few of these things. Think about this. Genesis chapter 3, the Messiah would come and crush the head of Satan. Genesis 49, the scepter would not depart from Judah. 2 Samuel 7, David's kingdom, the line of David, would be forever. Isaiah 7, the virgin will give birth. Hosea 11, there'll be a trip to Egypt. Micah 5 says, born in Bethlehem. Psalm 78, Jesus would teach in parables. Isaiah 6, the people wouldn't listen. And Isaiah 53, his rejection and death. That is just a few of the things that we see in the Old Testament. And and there was a study done to kind of figure out what would be the the odds that that one person could fulfill all these prophecies from the Old Testament. And they looked at just kind of a conservative number. They said, what are, what's the odds of just somebody fulfilling eight of these prophecies? I don't know why they picked eight, but that's what they picked. And they said that the number would be 10 to the 17th power. That is 10 with 17 zeros after it. I am terrible at math. I don't even know what that number would be described as. But it is 1 to the 10 to the 17th power. Chance that one person would fulfill eight of the prophecies from the Old Testament. But instead, we have someone who has fulfilled every single one. And Peter says here, because of this, we can trust the word of God. Then he gives us some important instructions if you look back to 2 Peter. He says, pay attention to his word. He says, let it guide you in all the things that you have. We need to pay attention to the things that are in it because if it's God's word and it's true, then this should be the center of our life. And similar in Psalm 119, 119, where it talks about his lamp is is a path to my feet, that it guides me in the darkness. It's kind of the same message from the devotional in this church email this week where it says, what does scripture say? Where we lean on the things and we understand that our lives should be driven by Scripture. It is this reason that we have complete trust in not just the Old, but also in the New Testament. You see, actually, within these verses and in this book, Peter is connecting the Old and the New Testament. Now, remember, the New Testament is actually being written at the time that he is writing this. But you'll see in 2 Peter 3.16, it says this, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do with other scriptures. On a side note, people love this verse because it talks about Peter saying, look, Paul writes some hard things, right? He writes some things that can be hard and difficult to understand. But here he says, he said, but people will twist Paul's words, just as they do with the other scriptures. He's saying there is value in what Paul is writing to you. Trust in his words. And then 
as we come through all this, we see that, yes, we can trust Scripture because it contains eyewitness accounts. We can trust Scripture because it's fulfilled prophecy. And then in verse 20 and 21, we see that we can trust Scriptures because it's from God. It's not these myths. It's prophecy that did not just come from somebody's own interpretation. For in verse 21, it says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but God spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, and same thing that Paul will say in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete for every good work. He says scripture is, it's God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. Peter says that it's carried along by the Holy Spirit. As Paul was writing, as Peter was writing, they were guided through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is God-breathed. There is a divine element in the writing of scriptures. These 66 books written by 40 authors, each one unique in their own writings, David's writings do not seem the same as Peter's writings or Paul's writings. They all maintained their own individual kind of personalities in their writings. But the Holy Spirit led them and guided them in the writing of his scriptures, that these are not just made up. Well, let's think for a second as we think about this idea of real and fake, and let's think about some other scriptures from other religions. Let's focus on kind of two for now, the Book of Mormon and the Quran, All these books that they have as scriptures, as supposed truth. But how do these things differ? Each of those books was a special revelation to, to a single person to which really nobody had an accountability to. One person got special revelation from God, records this, and here is the word of God. Instead, as we look to scriptures, we have 40 authors who were revealed in God's purpose over 1,500 years on three different continents, overwritten in three different languages. The chances are is that you would have a, a, a difference within somewhere, that you would find some disagreement within everything. And as you see this definition, this is actually a definition as I was studying uh, that came from Vodi Bakum. And he was talking on these very passages, and this is a long description of the Bible, but this is kind of what he lays out when people ask him, well, why do you trust the Bible? Well, what is it about this word that makes you cling to it? And this is what he says. He says, the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written over three continents in three languages by 40 authors over 1,500 years, written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, and they report about supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of the specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. And I know that is a lot to take. That is a long definition. But as you look at it, you, you see and you see that's why we trust Scripture. That, that is why we lean on His Word. It is unified from Genesis to Revelation. You know, we live in a world where the Word of God is under attack. There are those who despise it, those who want to go against everything it stands for. 
As Peter said, there's, there's those who want to twist and distort what the word says, claiming that it is unreliable, that it is untrue, that it is an ancient book not meant for modern times. You know, I've spent time reading, studying, applying this word. And in every way, I feel my life is transformed when I get in to the word of God. My marriage is different. My parenting is different. The way I relate to the world and other people is different because of the way I see his word. I, I stand in a difference to the world. In a 9 a.m. class this morning, we're going through the book of Philippians. And it was talking about how we should be weird. Like, like we are different from the world is what Paul is kind of talking about in Philippians 3. That we are different, we stand out, we have a higher calling. And part of that is as we cling to the word, we are different. You see, no other book can do this. We can trust and defend his word. So as we prepare for communion, I want to ask the worship team to come on up as we get ready for a time of remembrance. I want us to close out and spend some time reflecting. You know, if all this is, is just we learn about how we can trust Scripture, that's great. But the reality is, is what does this do for your life? Does this change the way you look at Scripture? So it's, it's been said that the Bible, it will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. And they say that dusty Bibles always lead to dirty lives. All these things that as we lean on his word is at the center of our life as we draw closer to him are we drawing closer to his word are we in it daily are we memorizing his word are we meditating on his word are we leaning on the promises that he's given to us in his word and if we are we cling to those and we know that then we become more mature in him as we draw closer to him as we trust in his word. Amen? Amen.